As a pastor, I'm constantly concerned about how to create connections beyond just the weekend services. And one of the valuable tools that we have found for achieving this at our church is our app powered by Subsplash. It's one thing to have an app. It's another thing to have an app that has the ability to allow your community to access messages, resources, and even give. And Subsplash created that for us. It's become our go-to platform for connecting with our congregation in ways we never could have before. Subsplash is so much more than just a platform or even just an app. It brings people together, empowers giving, and transforms lives. If you're interested in learning more, I encourage you to visit their website at subsplash.com. That's S-U-B-S-P-L-A-S-H.com. Subsplash.com. Leadership doesn't have to be hard, and leadership can be for everybody. On this podcast, we want to help you make leading simple. I'm your host, Rusty George. Did you know that in today's workforce, it's hard to stand out? I mean, after the great resignation and everybody looking for new jobs, everybody can write a good resume and everyone can answer some questions, but how do you separate yourself? How do you kind of rise above the pack? Today, we talked to William Vanderblumen, and he leads one of the nation's largest headhunting and placement firms, and he's noticed a few traits that he thinks makes you what he calls a unicorn. Special thanks to Subsplash again for their sponsorship of the podcast, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with William Vanderblumen. William Vanderblumen, you are back with us again. Thank you. It's been a while, so uh, catch our listeners up to who you are and what you've been doing. Yeah, so um, I live in Houston. Thanks for having me back on. Um, I'm a big sky and the office here in Houston and uh, where we have been a part of a work where we're, we're an executive search firm. We started out helping churches find their pastor. Or if you're a larger church like you guys, your student pastor, your associate pastor, that sort of thing. Uh, we then ventured out into helping faith-based schools find their headmaster or president or that sort of thing. Um, large nonprofits uh, find their CEO, CFO, COO, that sort of thing. So uh, it's a lot of fun. And in the middle of that, you and I have had conversations. You guys have an awesome ministry over the years. And uh, uh, since the pandemic, when uh, I learned something really interesting, Rusty, I didn't go to business school. I got a uh, philosophy and religion degree over there and a seminary degree. So usually <laughs> people with a philosophy degree spend their career saying, do you want fries with that? <laughs> uh, so, so the business discovery from the pandemic uh, was if all of your clients, churches and schools, have to close indefinitely, it's going to change the way your day looks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So we did a lot of research and that... Um, we, we did a lot of serving churches during the pandemic, but we also started to drop back. So we've been doing this a while, uh, 15 years now. Um, if, you're, if you're one of the very top candidates in a search we're doing, you're going to work your way down through several rounds of virtual interviews and then get a final face-to-face -face interview. We've now done 30,000 of those final face-to-face -face interviews. Wow. And uh, it's amazing what compound interest can do. So we, since we're sitting around, we are like, I wonder if we could figure out who the best of those 30,000 are. Like, did they get the job? Did they stay in the job? Are they flourishing? And so we figured that out. And then we said, I wonder if those people have anything in common. 
Hmm. You know, the best of that. Like you've walked in a room before at a church event and you see the, the woman or man that everyone is magnetized toward and drawn toward. And you want to go find that person to be a volunteer, a key ministry, right? Like, right. What is it that causes those people to stand out in the crowd and, and do the best interviews we ever do have some common traits? And the answer was yes. And it was super cool. Um, the answer was yes. And uh, the things they had in common were not, they're all 175 IQ. Uh, it was not, they're all six feet tall and have amazing hair and teeth, or uh, they, uh, they all went to Ivy League schools. It was 12 simple habits that these people had in common that are not common among the regular regular interviews we do. Interesting. Uh, and and they're, they're super teachable and trainable and research project turned into a book where we're like, you know what? We've been paid for years to go find someone's next unicorn. Now I think we can teach you how to become one. So uh, got a book coming out. It's a lot of fun. It's, is that teachable, William? Because so, you know you've been doing this long enough. You know there's some traits you're like, uh, you either got it or you don't. Yeah, such a good question. I, I think some come more naturally than others. Okay. To individuals, um, you know, one trait. It's hilarious. We had thirty thousand interviews. We distilled these twelve habits. One of them was uh, just responsiveness. Just get back to people. Right. You are always so good to get right back to me. That's very uncommon. And if you look at like uh, people who pay loads and loads of money to have marketing leads come in and how long it takes them to actually follow up with a marketing lead, it's, it's staggering how slow people are to respond. Mm. Uh, so we, we surveyed a uh, quarter million people about these 12 traits as a second stage to our research. And we asked, you know, how do you feel like you're doing in each of these categories through various and sundry questions? Um, which, by the way, is going to be a really cool self-360 and team 360 tool that will be launching with the book in November. But anyway, mm. quarter million people, would you grade yourself as responsive or not responsive? And like 81% of everybody said they were more responsive than average. <laughs> so... <laughs> so <laughs> So that's kind of funny, right? So yes. <laughs> the thing is, they weren't fast at all. So we had uh, we partnered with SurveyMonkey for the big, you know, study, right? And so we asked them, like, "Hey, what do you guys do this a lot? What's a fast response time?" And they're like, "Oh, the fast responders are always going to get to you within the first three days, right? You you'll get some people after that, but the first three days are your first responders, and and you can stretch it out or whatever." So we went and looked at our a quarter million people we surveyed. The average response time was six days. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> and 80% of them thought they were better. So is it teachable? <laughs> I don't know. I can lead a horse to water. Right. I can show it how to drink. But it's not, It's Rusty, it's not like here's how you slam dunk like Michael Jordan. No, it's something everyone can do. Will you have the willpower to actually do it? That's that's a different question. The stats would say, no, you don't. Uh, but we think it, that we've put together a resource that shows people how to get better, how to measure how they're getting better, and eventually stand out in the crowd. Before we get into these traits, which I, I want to walk through some of them, um, 
did you find that some of these came easier for various age groups or generations? You know, because you talk about, uh, you know, response rate, I think, man, response rate in my generation, Gen X, the greatest generation, is a lot different than the response rate of my kids who will leave you, as they say, leave you on red on the text message for days. So was there, was there a difference? Yeah. And then there's the whole the ones that'll dot, dot, dot you on the text, and then it goes away. And then yeah. you're sitting there waiting on the dot, dot, dot. <laughs> uh, you know, that is going to be a great thing for us to study as we continue to build out the tool. What we're trying to identify rather selfishly is what of these 12 habits, what should the very best campus pastor have as their top four? Okay, that's great. And, and then can we start to group hundreds of thousands of candidates we have and show kind of like a strength finders, you know, right. uh, like on the strength finders, you probably, as your chief accounting officer, you don't want creativity. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So <laughs> that gets a put in jail. <laughs> yeah. We tried that here in Houston. It was called Enron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the crooked E I remember. <laughs> so, so we're looking right now at, you know, if you're building uh, if you need a campus pastor, and I know your model is your model, is it live teaching or is it more general management? Mm-hmm. I can probably start to see, well, they need to have these gifts, and then we'll be able to run reports on where the people with those top five gifts are. It's going to be pretty cool. It'd be great to slice into demographics as well. Um, I, okay. I have not noticed anything that would tell my gut that there's some that are better than others at the uh at the different 12 gifts generationally. Hmm. That's great. Okay, so the book is called Be the Unicorn, uh, which, you know, the term unicorn has been used for a while as somebody who's just, you know, uh, hard to describe, hard to compare to, hard to become. I've heard about it in sports a lot, but great title for the book. So what are these 12 traits? Yeah. Just give us a a few of them that uh, uh, came up. Well, we talked about responsiveness, mm-hmm. and that would be, you know, one of the um, the telltale signs. Like we're doing a search, right? And we do a search for real life or for life church or some awesome church that ought to be, wow, I'm amazed they're interested in me. If I reach out to you to say, would you be willing to have a conversation? Um, if I don't hear back from you pretty quickly, eh, not good. Yeah. If I hear back from you quickly and there's some boundaries around it, that's awesome. If I hear back from you just straight up quickly, that's awesome too. But I want I want to learn more. Um, you know, another another one that people could take home and work on right now is self awareness. Mm. So what does that mean? Well, like in a job interview, you, you know, it, particularly with pastors, you say, "Tell me about yourself, yourself, or you know, tell me your journey or whatever." And all of a sudden, you're now. I oh, I'm going to say some things that are bad, Rusty. <laughs> I already know what you're going to say. This is good. <laughs> I'm now sitting at your camp about your decision to follow Jesus when you were 12, and then what you did wrong when you were 13, and then, and that's all fine and well, right? I, it, but but we're not in a pastoral counseling session. We're in an interview, right? So how do you separate yourself from the best, right? You say, oh, Rusty. Your church is growing so fast, and you know, like, I'm guessing 
that whole thing in your job descriptions, there's that line that says other duties as necessary. You know, I tell you about myself, I'm learning, I'm a mess, I'm a work in progress, but I am fundamentally extroverted. I'm fundamentally a seven on the Enneagram. I'm fundamentally interested in things where I have to sell an idea. So you're interviewing me for this marketing position. And what makes me excited is that it's probably something new every day. And let me tell you five ways that played out in my old job where I had to do something new every day. It, it made my compliance buddy crazy, but I loved it. Wow. And that's why I think, you know, as we're talking, I'm not just looking for a job, I'm looking for a match. And what I'm learning about myself and what I'm hearing you say you need, I, I think there's a potential match there. Okay, so right there, that's, that was a master class in how to interview. You separated yourself from everybody else. You compared yourself to somebody else. And you told us so much about yourself in that just a couple of minutes. Yeah, we, we pastors are not known for our brevity. Uh, and, and that was perfect. <laughs> well, it's no knock on your faith story. I want to hear that. But like... Can you show me that you're self-aware? It also, you know what it really does is it it might even prevent the terrible interview question of tell me your greatest weakness and blah, blah, blah. And that's where you say, well, I work too many hours and I never ask for a raise and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. If you can say like, right. oh my gosh, yes, I'm a seven. I'm an intro, a total extrovert. I would love something new every day. If you were asking me to like do, you know, board governance documents or or manage people's expense reports, you would fire me so fast. Mm -hmm. You know, I can do detail work if I have to, but that's not where my energy goes. It's not where I'm wired up. And uh, mm. so it's the, the self-awareness piece can, can save you a lot of headache. Mm. That's really good. Okay, so self-aware, responsive. What else do you have there? Oh, I can't tell you all 12, Rusty. Um, oh, I know. I know. I'm not asking for all 12. <laughs> I, you know, this one's going to come naturally to a lot of your audience, but we, we interview people that are pastors and non-pastors and the, the people who stand out the most, and this might go back to self-awareness, have some deep sense of call in them and not just I'm called to serve the church, but like Rusty, I sold newspapers as a kid. I grew my route. I bought out other routes. I, I, you know, I was kind of this entrepreneur sales guy. And I thought growing up church was like just kind of keeping the aquarium. And I never really got that part where Jesus said, no, I want you to go fish. I don't want you to keep the aquarium. And when that light bulb went off in my head that I can be an entrepreneur for Jesus, you want me to do evangelism and teaching pastor, like I will sell Jesus. And what do you, you can call it eternal fire insurance all day long. I love it. And it matches up with who I am and my sense of the gifts God's given me here. Oh, that's really good. Okay. So that's some great ones. You've got 12 in the book. You're going to have resources that go along with it that allow you to be tested, right? And uh, yeah. be able to, to learn about your team and yourself. This would be a great exercise for teams to go through. Is it only faith-based or businesses can use it as well? No, 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 not at all. Uh, we spread the, we started, of course, with our interviews, which would be faith-based, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, our first sample size showed a heavy skew toward people who were purpose-driven. And that's probably true within our, you know, more so than the guy who's running a car wash or whatever thing it is that he's just doing because he's doing it. Um, but when we spread out to the quarter million people that we surveyed, it went way broader than that. Um, I do think that 
you know what what I didn't realize until we started studying this is a God timed book that, that it has never been harder to stand out in the crowd. Hmm. I mean, it's noisier than ever. Everyone's on social media and has a platform. There are for the first time in the United States history, there are five generations in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Five. And they speak very different languages as we all know, but it's that much more crowded. The economy's doing some wobbly things. It's that. And we've got another generation in the workforce coming up called the machines. <laughs> so like, how do you, as AI rises, right? How do you do every one of these 12 habits is not something AI can do. I mean, that maybe they can respond quicker than us, but like a lot of it's just human soft skills. And what's staggering to me is how common these habits were among the best of the best, how easily attainable they are. It's not like drop 50 pounds, you know, and quit smoking tomorrow. And then how uncommon they are in the population. So I'm hopeful that what we found is kind of a roadmap for people to be able to, without, you know, having to break their own back, just adopt some simple habits that will help them stand out in the crowd. Hey, let me interrupt for just a second. If you're a church leader and your church does not have an app or your app seems to be a little bit limited, check out subsplash.com as a great resource to really give your app all the horsepower that it needs. You can connect people, you can help them get access to messages, and you can help them set up recurring giving, which is a game changer when it comes to resourcing your ministry. Subsplash.com. Okay, back to our episode. Mm, that's really good. You mentioned AI. Uh, that, that seems to be a popular thing to talk about right now, because it is coming. We all saw it would come in the Terminator, so we know how this ends. Yes. Um, but <laughs> you say it's not the coming apocalypse, there, so it's a chance for us to evolve. Is that for us just to go back to our soft skills set and, and kind of develop those a little bit better? I think so. I, you know, I'm certainly seeing it in pastoral circles, like what is the, what's the profile of a super effective pastor post-pandemic? And, and if, if, if there's anything that people were missing during the lockdown, it was human interaction, mm-hmm. right? Like first curse in the Bible, God says, it is not good that you be left alone, right? So pastors that can smell like the sheep, mm-hmm. pastors that are willing to get in and among the people, that's going to be super high premium or high effectiveness. And uh, all of that's around soft skills. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you know, if you think about human history, our workforce has always had technological advancement, reshuffling of what jobs go where. Uh, that I think that'll happen again. It's going to happen maybe more severely than ever. And it's probably worth, if you're applying to college, it's probably worth not majoring in accounting <laughs> uh, or some of the things that really are going to go away and, and focus on the things that only you can do as a human. I was, I was talking, Rusty, with uh, the chief of staff for Google. Okay. Who she's in charge of all their AI stuff. And this was uh, in the springtime. So a lifetime ago now. And uh, I said, she, I was in a room, it was about 25 coders and me, and everybody was asking coding questions about AI. So finally she looked at me, would you have a question? I said, well, I don't code. I do have teenagers though. What would you tell me I should tell them not to major in, in college? And she wouldn't answer me directly. She said, I'll tell you what they should major in. Uh, liberal arts. They should major in human to human skills. Wow. So that's really interesting. We had a counselor come in uh, to our church and do kind of a, a parent workshop post COVID. And he predicted, he said, 
you remember the days we went to school and we had home ec. Our our kids and the next generation will have skill sets on just how to interact with people. Yeah. Because they haven't learned that, whether it's, you know, they're on their phones or whatever, but COVID kind of shut it all down. It really is kind of returning to that, don't you think? I think that's right. I think that's right. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times the search comes down to two candidates and the guy who gets the job or a woman is the one who gets along better with others. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of great commandment sort of stuff. Like, right. (laughs) Love the Lord, love your neighbors yourself. You'll stand out in the crowd. (laughs) Boy, no kidding. Okay. So let's, let's flip the, the script here a little bit. I'm somebody hiring somebody. Sure. Um, how do I ask better questions and what are questions that can kind of reveal some of these traits that I should be looking for rather than just, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great. So, so I think what, um, it's one of the traits that we noticed one of the 12 habits is this insatiable curiosity, Hmm. like constant learning, right? We could spend a whole podcast talking about that, but what I'm finding in my interview, so I don't do a whole lot of searches anymore. You know, I'm kind of represent the company, I write books, I do these sorts of things. Um, if I'm doing a search, it's for a longtime friend or, you know, it's, it, I'm not, I'm doing kind of the uh, final touches. And so a candidate's been through lots of interviews before they get to me and not because I'm special, but because I've got better consultants than me at this now. And so what do I do? You know, do I say, Rusty, I know you've already told five people on our team about your night at camp when you were 13. You don't have to do that on this call. Um, You're welcome to. But what I found, and I stumbled into it, Rusty, was I I found like, you know what might be a way we could spend our time that would help us both is why don't I just answer questions for you? Hmm. I mean, I, you know, ask me, you're not going to offend me. I'm not your future board member or boss. Just what do you want to know? And I'll tell you, I mean, like my job is to make sure you don't walk down the aisle with Rachel and wake up next to Leah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what can I answer that would be real? And, you know, that just re- I learned more about a candidate based on the caliber of questions they ask than maybe anything else in the interview now. Mm. So I, I guess if you're interviewing, I might encourage you to ask more, let them ask you more and, and not be so worried about a script. Right. Mm. Um, and then of course, just a simple interviewing. I mean, probably all your folks know this already, but it's a long time saying in hiring that, that the single best predictor of future performance is past performance, which can make you wonder about Jesus' taste in brides, but that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, <laughs> but, but if you're interviewing and somebody's telling you what they would do and how they're going to do this and they're going to do that, that's all fine and well. But if you remember when I talked about self-awareness, I said, Rusty, I love this job because it speaks to what I'm learning about myself. And let me show you where I did that in four other jobs before. Mm. show me some past performance that will indicate and let me trust in your future performance. So I would want to explore the curiosity and I'd want to make sure that the answers they're giving me are about concrete things that have been accomplished. You mentioned something just in your uh, uh, scenario there, the four jobs previous. There are some situations where a guy has moved around a lot and it could just be it wasn't a good fit, didn't feel right there. 
Um, you know, he's kind of got an apostolic gift and sets things up and moves on. But it, to somebody hiring, it looks like <clears throat> this person may have a, yeah. it might, might be a flight risk. H- how do you express that? That I'm, you can trust me, I'm not going to bail, but I have left a lot of other jobs. How, how do you communicate that? Or how do you look for that? Well, I think no matter how long somebody stayed at a job, one of the best things you can lean into is their transitions. Like, why did they happen? Oh, interesting. Okay. And and how real will the candidate be with you about, you know how many times in the tens of thousands of interviews I've done, how many times somebody told me, yeah, I screwed up and I got fired? Like maybe 10. Like, it's like you're in the Garden of Eden. Tell, tell me why you left the job. Well, you know, that woman, the one you gave me, she made me. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, no, it was the snake, the one that you made. That <laughs> Right. Like, tell me about your transitions. And and I try and reassure people and say, and this is, this is pretty good if you're in a church. Hey, listen, moving around is not bad. If By my read, Jesus' friends, not his enemies, his friends were forever getting mad at him for saying, we got to move on. Hmm. He was always going from town to town and village. They didn't even know where he was a couple of times. Did we lose him? Where is he gone? He's off somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know. So Jesus himself moved around. And for most of Christendom, pastors moved around. Paul stayed in Ephesus three years. That was a long time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not worried that you've moved around. I just want to hear about these transitions. Hmm. That's really good. And, and there can be... I made this big promise to myself when I started this work, Rusty. I said, Lord, I'm never going to take a a church, a candidate that's currently unemployed. And God's just been laughing at me for 15 (laughs) years since then. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes pastors really do sense a completion. And in obedience, they leave their job with nothing in hand, which makes no sense in the world. But sometimes pastors don't make sense, right? Right. So I... On the one hand, yeah, you want to look for why is why are there so many changes here, um, and then try and understand the life circumstances behind that. I, I tell people, you know, the best hirers I know who don't use an outside firm bat about six hundred, mm. and I think it's probably true for picking jobs too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just don't pick the right one. You you didn't pray through it the right way, or it. it was God's call for somewhere for a short period of time, but I'm looking for patterns, Mm. you know, singular instances. That's fine. But is there a power in the pattern here? Is it, Oh, all five of those last five jobs, you had a bad manager. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It was all their fault. Oh, that's good. Uh, Let me ask you this. Uh, You mentioned the zoom call, uh, which is obviously, you know, revolutionized everything, but, are there things that you can't pick up on until you're in the room with the person where the person you really ought to make sure before you say yes to the job or, or hire somebody that you get face to face with that person? Well, I, I used to answer this a little more stridently. I think, you know, the pandemic has taught us that the technology really can help some. Yeah. Like, goodness gracious, do you, do we really have to drive up to the church for the personnel committee meeting anymore? That seems stupid. We all work together, you know, like... Um, on the other hand, I think that if, if tech were all it's cracked up to be, why didn't Jesus just zoom all this in? Mm-hmm. You know, what, why bother coming here? Yeah. I mean, really, no, I'm serious. Like we're told in the fullness of time, born of a woman, born under the law, right? It's Paul's letters to the Galatians. Did Jesus not know the internet was coming? Like, 
oh, dang, I wish we would have waited. We could have saved a lot of time and energy, right? No, I, I just think the whole message of Jesus is God with us. And I think that first curse in the Bible of us not being needed to be left alone, I, I don't think virtual can can replace. Now, I have softened my understanding of that a little bit. Hybrid can work. Mm. I also think the type of work you're interviewing for probably should tell you something about how much of it can be done online. Are you going to be an online campus pastor? Well, that might be fine virtually, right? Are you going to be pastor of pastoral care? Probably not going to be a Zoom job for you, mm-hmm. you know? So, so what kind of work are you interviewing for? And that can either make you want to get in the room more or less. And then at the end of the day, yeah, I, I just don't think it's a full replacement. Mm. That's really good. Okay, so for church jobs, the best question, well, not best, but the most common question people ask a potential pastor is, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. So I'm sure you've heard some, some dandies of, uh, you know, very flowery type of comments. As a candidate, how do you explain that? That's so personal, but so, I mean, obviously you want to know. So if I'm interviewing somebody, what do I look for? And if I'm being interviewed, what do I say so that I express it in honesty, um, but also don't try to come off as, uh, you know, Mother Teresa? Well, so if you're doing the interview, first thing first, remember what you're interviewing for. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're interviewing for a pastor over small groups, right? You say, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. You probably want to hear pretty heartwarming or pastoral care. You probably want to hear a relational. If you're interviewing for your bookkeeper, I, it, like, and this happened not long ago, CFO search, and they started by talking about how their faith has been shifting and they went through a long testimony and then now they're in counseling over it and all that. And I'm like, I, I really just need the books done, you know, like, (laughs) sorry for all the finance people I just made mad, but like, as you're interviewing, don't use the same measuring stick for every job because they're all different, right? Mm, That's really good. Uh, And then as you are being interviewed, I don't know if your mother ever told you, hey, you know, lay out all the clothes you're going to take on that trip and then put half of them back away and you're only taking half of them with you. That's probably pretty good. I can't find any super long testimonies in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Paul kept it pretty short, right? Yeah. So if, even if you read all of Stephen's testimony before they stoned him, it's like three minutes. So, And that's why they stoned him, because <laughs> it was that long. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, and I uh, would also just throw in there, there's such a balance. It used to be you had to show you were bulletproof, right? Now we're in an age where everybody's got to show just how wounded they are and what trauma they've been through and all that. And I know that's all very real, but but there's got to be a third bowl of porridge. You cannot come out of there looking like you have uh, made yourself into a saint with a plate behind your head, right? But you cannot come out of there sounding like a victim or a project because that is not why you're in an interview. A third bowl of porridge. I love that. Be a unicorn and third bowl of porridge. I'm taking away from this. William, this this is fantastic. Uh, I, I love your last book on culture, and I cannot wait uh, to, to dive into this uh, Be a Unicorn book. I think it's going to help out a lot of people. I think it's going to help out a lot of churches. 
A lot of people are pretty transient in their job right now. I'm even thinking about this book, you know, for my kids. Hey, this is uh, this is the way that you stand out when you're applying for jobs. And uh, it's just that the marketplace is different and people are looking for different things. So this will be really helpful for a lot of people. So thank you. Thanks for being on the show again. And thanks for all you're doing for the kingdom and for the church. It's just uh, blessing a lot of people. Thanks, Rusty. I really appreciate you having me. And uh, God bless you and all the work that you're doing. Thank you, buddy. Well, next week, we'll be back with a conversation with my friend, Gary Kahn, as he talks about how to turn your workplace into a mission field. Did you know that you're in ministry, even if you're not working at a church? And we're going to talk through all that next week. You're going to get some great tidbits of information from Gary. He's a great guy, and we have a lot of fun in the conversation. Thank you to Subsplash for their sponsoring. And for everybody, I'm going to ask you to make sure to subscribe and share and leave a review. And as always, keep it simple. Keep it simple.